All right, Torser Coatsy, welcome to Hungry Minds. Ah, thank you, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, this is a pleasure. We've actually been having a lot of interesting back and forth via email, and I think we may have had some sort of Skype or Google chat conversation about your market games company, which is what we're going to primarily be talking about. Uh, But before we jump into that, I think it's important to give a bit of your background, your uh, lecture at the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley, which is where we're at. And so if anyone hears any ambient noises, it's all those business students really (laughs) buckling down on a Saturday (laughs) and working hard. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, so yeah, before we jump into, into market games and the simulations you're creating for business students, uh, for high school students, uh, what is your background that you think might be relevant for this conversation? Uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> that's a good point. Um, well, as you mentioned, yes, I'm a lecturer in the, um, at Berkeley House Business School, um, but prior to that, I was in industry. I did private equity and investment banking for a couple of years, uh, but I started my career at um, PricewaterhouseCoopers in New York. Uh, and... In many of those roles, I were, um, you know, I had a chance of working with companies and evaluating all the different business functions, uh, and I worked in different business environments. So I guess what makes it relevant to the tools that I'm building, I'm bringing my experiences uh, and trying to package that and simulate that. So for students who may not have that experience, they get a feel of, you know, what businesses look like, not only just on a local but on a global stage. Right. Absolutely. And so I think the origin story of Market Games was you were uh, in business school at, at Cal here. Mm. And uh, from my understanding, I was reading an article about, about Market Games, and you were shocked that business school students didn't like finance, where you felt it was such an integral component of business. Uh, so how could you not like it? And then you were like, oh, well, I see why it's this thousand-page textbook. Uh, and so maybe it's not making this discipline, which perhaps is inherently interesting to you. Yeah, yeah. Other people were having a bit of a roadblock. Yeah. So so was that the epiphany that you had about, okay, there got to be a better way to teach this so everyone, at least in business school, sees the value of finance? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, yeah, they're Haas. Yeah, they're Haas. They're Haas to be a better way. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but it was. It, what was interesting is like I was in the uh, the Berkeley House Executive MBA program, right. so my peers are very sharp, bright, mid to senior level folks in various industries: mm-hmm. Google, Facebook, mm-hmm. um, Expedia, you know, all these various organizations. And I was just sitting in class, and there was a struggle between a professor that has loads of research, lots of insight, and right. the students, and there was a disconnect. And that disconnect, I'm like, what's happening here? What's this experience that's happening here? So then I started researching, and then I realized no one was reading the textbook. And then when I look at the textbook, I'm like, this is finance. Finance is more exciting than this. I have stories of deals and transactions that I worked on that's more uh, exciting to this. And I thought that maybe there's a better way to make this type of learning more engaging right you know and then that's when i started looking into games and gamification and i started learning more about that and i'm like huh maybe we can simulate this experience um and this is how the 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 process started like i spoke to mba students um uh, undergrad students they all had the same issue with textbooks right it's heavy no one's using it they only it's only they only have it because it's a requirement part of the course You know, and I think what's interesting, uh, being a teacher myself, uh, I'm very uh, well aware of the challenge of textbooks. That's why I've never mandated them. I've never used them. Um, I've always curated my own resources because of the same sort of issue, realizing that it can make disciplines that I think can inherently be really dynamic and fascinating pretty dry. Yeah. 
Um, and, and I think the reason why on one hand, uh, especially at elite schools like Cal, where people might not be aware that this is a problem is because people can be very extrinsically motivated, they're very bright, and so they can still do well, yeah. well enough to where it doesn't seem like a problem, yeah, exactly. um, even if uh, in terms of the intrinsic motivation or interest it might not be there, but, but it still allows them to do well enough. Uh, so, so yeah, I definitely understand, and, I, and I've incorporated games in some of my classes. Now, as far as market games, uh, what what is the premise? And, and so, and so you saw there was an opportunity, yeah. Because even amongst these very bright um, uh, business school students, there wasn't this appreciation of finance uh, in the way that you felt there should be. Yeah. And so then, so that motivated you to look at gamification and simulations. And so what? Uh, what what are market games? Yeah, is there, uh, uh, it's a good question. Um, uh, in its broad sense, I thought, oh, why don't we just create? I see the market or business. You know, everyone has this game that they play. Yeah, you know, everything is a game. There are competitors. Right. Um, their decision. There's uncertainty. There's ambiguity. All these things are right. built into the game experience. Right. You know, I'm built into the real world experience. You know, and understanding the market and how the market works. So when I think of business and business go through this path, and one of the goals is to go become public, right. you know, go through the IPO phase. And they, all these companies and these entrepreneurs and everyone that plays in that space, they all have these games, and these games have rules right. you know, to be successful. So I came up, huh, let's create this market game to create these tools of different experiences that allows you to understand the core functions of a business and how these functions work together to achieve a goal. Right. Um, the premise, the, the broader premise beyond just this was... Uh, in, when we talk about finance, it's, it was math. Mm. So there was another element where it's just big issue where you know math was just you know uh, at least from the U.S. there's challenges there in terms yeah. of getting some level of proficiency, which right. is something that's far down the line for market games. Right. But the connection was well, these quant related courses, it's hard to just read from a textbook. Mm. Can you bring it to life? Can you make it some relevance uh, and add a story element? So this is where games come into play. So in, I did some research on gamification, and there's some data to show uh, the Journal of Education Psychology. They did this report, I think it was Dr. Plass from NRU, did this study with about, I, I can't, I don't want to mistake this, I think it was yeah. about 30 high school students. Um, and, uh, sorry, 30 middle school students. And they played this math game. And there was actually um, proven outcomes. Students yeah. were actually learning. And then they realized that students were more engaged. Right. And they were more um, they were uh, more focused on achieving mastery in the content, right? You know, and telling others about this experience and getting involved in yeah. the experience. So I thought that was interesting. Right. Uh, so then, when I started building market games, I started figuring out, okay, what will be the first product? You know, initially yeah. I thought it was going to be finance games. Right. You know, so I'm like, you know, because I'm a finance guy, that's what I knew. That's so exciting. Mm -hmm. I started going to. I'm like, well, who do I start? There's K to twelve. There's higher education, and yeah. um, 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 and then there's a corporate. So where do I start? Well, I was at Berkeley, so let me start talking to professors. Right. So I started reaching out to all the business professors I could reach out to. And then that's when I, re I ran into um, Professor Brigginshaw, John Brigginshaw. He teach intro to business. Mm. Um, it's, just, it's called UGBA 10 Intro to Business, 600 students or so in this class. And with that kind of size, class size, you need technology. 
Right. You need some level of engagement. They were using a simulation. Hmm. You know, so I talked to, you know, when I spoke to him, I said, hey, I got this finance game idea. This is great. You should yeah. use it. And he was like, eh, we're doing something broader. <laughs> yeah. You know, come on board. Be part of my staff. Right. You know, um, understand this tool that we're using. Um, it, it doesn't have a finance function, so maybe you could build something better. Right. And that's when I started realizing that the potential is not necessarily the business school or the graduate level. Right. But these undergrad students with no experience in business, and in this class, just so you can understanding in this class, just say, oh, I think you might have this one. You know, just to yeah. understand in this class, you have um, um, they have to learn marketing, operation, finance, uh, and financial accounting and leadership in one class, and these are freshmen and sophomore. So I thought, okay, this is a great place to build a tool right. where they can get exposed to all the core functions of the business and how these functions work together as a starting tool. And then they could create these learning pathways where they can learn about everything they want to learn about marketing, operation, finance, uh, and leadership. You know, So that was the start of market games. And the first yeah. product was intro to business. You know, you don't give your introduction, but understand the system. Right. And then you can go on these learning paths. Cool. So a follow-up question, uh, when you're talking about the simulation and what it's designed to do, uh, I immediately was thinking, what are things that uh, business school students will find out once they leave business school mm -hmm. that often they don't actually learn in business school mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty essential that you think something like market games might help uh, simulate in some capacity? Uh, yes, uh, and my target audience, I would say, is undergrads, uh, So, and these students that may not have any business experience. One of the things I would say is um, dealing with ambiguity and uncertainty. Right. You know, when you're in undergrad, you take exams, you take quizzes, right. it's always the right answer. But how do you deal with a problem with no right answers? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like how do you get comfortable with that? Yeah. And I think that's one of the beauty of uh, market games. Uh, this is my initial simulation intro to business. Right. Is that students you get so excited and they, you know, they're trying to figure out, okay, what strategy should I take? What's the successful strategy? And each are equal likely outcome yeah. because whatever you do is relative to what the next person is doing. They're all competing for the same customers. Right. So they struggle uh, and I'll give you a perfect example where they struggle. So in the game, there's a customer, and this customer has a price range in, t in which they're willing to pay. So the customers say they're willing to pay between 6 to $12, and they struggle to figure out how should they price their product. Mm. Because how they price their product is, well, you know, will, uh, matters in terms of how the competitors price their product, right. in terms of how to get that customer. So they struggle with trying to figure out, wait, how can I come yeah. to a decision on this when there's this uncertainty yeah. of, I don't know what this other person is going to do, right. and dealing with that. And in the real world, leaders deal with that all the time. Yeah. You're going to have people in your management team that have different strategies in terms of how to approach it. And then as a leader, you're just going to have to take a position and believe in it and, yeah. and execute on that. You know, and you might get lucky. Yeah. You know, you know, and with business is a combination of skill and luck. And if you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, they always say, you know, I think I was lucky at some right. point for all right. these things that happened. So you don't learn that in business school. Yeah. Another part you may not learn in business school is many times in various programs you're learning these core functions in silence. Marketing, operation, finance, accounting. In the game, you're in a team and you're in this team where everyone has this role and these roles change every round so you get to expose to all these different roles. So now you understand how the core functions of a business work together right. you know, to achieve a goal. You learn about teamwork and leadership and then you're dealing with people. You know? yeah. And you know, in some of these exercises, even in leadership, they give you a scenario about what happens when you have a teammate 
that's not engaging, that's not responding to communication. Right. How do you deal with that? Yeah. You know, so it's things like that. Um, this is where simulation becomes very useful. Yeah. Uh, you Students have this awareness and then they can figure out, okay, how do I get comfortable with the uncomfortable? You know, how do I deal with, you know, uh, unpleasant situation? Yeah. You know, um, so this is where it becomes, and it becomes more prepared once they get into the marketplace to say, okay, I've I'm, I'm been conditioned right. for this kind of experience. You know, so this is where I guess simulation yeah. can be very useful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it definitely is relevant, not just in business, but any mm -hmm. discipline. And mm -hmm. I think that that's the irony that school that's supposed to be training for, quote, the real world. <laughs> uh, the one thing that we all deal with in the real world is ambiguity, uncertainty. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we become comfortable with that? Mm -hmm. And how do we also see the flip side of uncertainty as possibility? Yeah. And, and inevitably, in those real world situations, you're never just going to be batting uh, 10 for 10, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's going to be mistakes, but then you learn how to pivot and adapt as a result. And in school, there's such a stigma around mistakes. And I think what's interesting with the game <laughs> is that you can't help but make mistakes. Yeah. You're not just going to be perfect immediately and you're not expected to be entrepreneurs um, but not just entrepreneurs know that inevitably, sometimes if you're launching in beta, which everyone's familiar with now, is yeah. like you know it's not a perfect thing, but yeah. you're going to allow your customers to be able to give feedback so that you can ultimately craft something that's really what they need. And I think within the context of school, people want the right answer. Mm -hmm. But there's not just the right answer, <laughs> even if there are at times right answers. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's one of the great things about, about games. And for any gamer out there, uh, with even just the big games, they recognize that when they start a game, they don't honestly know what to do. They have mm -hmm. to explore the physics of the system. Yeah. They have to be able to generate a hypothesis. What am I supposed to do and test that continually? In that process, they're going to make mistakes. Yeah. But but there's not a stigma against it. It's part of the gameplay. Yeah. It's like you realize that's how you figure out how to play, mm -hmm. is by making mistakes, generating hypothesis, testing it, going, okay, what's true, what's not? <laughs> and, uh, and also by collaborating and talking with other gamers uh, in, in that particular way. So I think it's exciting when these simulations and games are designed not just for entertainment, mm -hmm. but actually to be helping training people for particular disciplines, like you're mentioning. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things, too, that I think what makes these games so powerful as a vehicle for learning, especially as we were talking before we hit record, with uh, increasing automation, mm -hmm. anything that's algorithmic, procedural, standardized, mm -hmm. you know, machines are going to be able to do it, software is going to be able to do it better than humans. So things like ill-structured problem solving, <laughs> you know, within the market where there's ambiguity and uncertainty, we do that really well. Yeah. Machines aren't able to actually operate in that same sort of capacity as you were saying, what happens if you can't communicate easily with someone within some facet of a company or someone you're doing business with? Yeah. Machines aren't great at figuring that out, but humans can be. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we have that kind of a skill set. And so, so I think in many respects, like these are the kinds of, it's fostering the kinds of skills that are desperately needed to be successful in a range of different fields yeah. and mm -hmm. traditional kinds of learning while there might be a place for it mm -hmm. if you're only solely doing that you're going to come out ill-prepared for the real world and there's yeah. going to be a steep learning curve yeah. so I think that that's pretty compelling uh, one of the questions uh, that I had is what what's the receptivity been for yeah. both students and <laughs> faculty and and where do you feel that there's an excitement, and where right. is there a bit of pushback because you're you know you're it's a radical approach yeah. as far as yeah. uh, as far as learning. Uh, that's a really really good question. Yeah, uh, I'll start with the pushback. You know? Yeah, right. Always that's that's the, <laughs> the pushback, um, and this is what you touched upon between yeah. 
uh, instruction versus discovery in, right. in terms of games. So in games, it's all discovery. You make mistakes, you learn from it, and you have all this time in the world to kind of evolve. Yeah. Uh, in a learning environment, especially uh, within institutions, you have a certain time period where students need to learn everything and then move on. Right. You know, and because of that, there needs to be some form of instruction. I've realized that initially, the pushback has been. Um, I don't like to fail. Yeah. You know, failing doesn't feel nice. So students don't like that feeling. They're not used to it. Uh, Well, when I say that I used to it, they don't like to feel like uh, they're not learning. Right. So I think it was a deeper, it wasn't that um, they were making mistakes. The way they felt about making a mistake was that it's a bad thing. Right. And that's the pushback that's happened. And, um, Mm -hmm. And now, you know, we've built the game in such a way where that initially we will tell them you're going to make mistakes yeah um, but the mistakes may not be as impactful in terms of yeah. grades right um so the way we have a design in our classes mm. you know we you know you, you can see an impact on your grade as you play but then there's a curve yeah at the very end so they just you know they struggle but at the very end they're like oh it wasn't that bad experience i really like that experience uh, i would say initially was that uh, getting comfortable with failure so we try to push that and even on the faculty side uh, probably on my side just to communicate better with the faculty who uses the product right. and say you know if you get comfortable with failure that's part of life that's part of the learning experience they'll learn more there was even a study that came from Harvard that actually talked about active learning versus um, where students complain in the study um, uh, and I can you know I, I don't know all the details of the study but essentially they had students do you know standardized tests or yeah. the usual traditional testing, and they did an active learning approach. Right. And students complained about the active learning approach. Yeah. They felt as though that oh, the struggle was hard. Yeah. I get. However, when they tested them on certain key yeah. concepts and element, the students who did active learning actually performed better. Sure. So there's actually that, and that study just you know. So even they don't like it, it's actually better for them because right. the learning becomes sticky. You know. So I would say that that would be the biggest pushback and me trying to right. navigate from a business perspective trying to navigate how do you create an environment where they don't you know it's not a bad feeling when they make mistakes right and I think we've we've done that in a variety of ways uh, essentially one of the things we've done in terms of the journey we made the journey easier at the very yeah. first round of that, sure you know, and as you get to the second round it builds up as, yeah, should, yeah. as all great games do, right? Great, exactly. So, and so that's one thing that we missed in the in the very beginning is right. we try to create all this complexity, and that's the funny thing about you see all these other simulations out there. They create these complicated. If you look at it, I mean, there's just so much information thrown at you. The undergrad at a very early stage. So what we did, we designed in such a way, we introduced you to content slowly, gradually, build up your confidence to increase the engagement. So that's how we've been able to tackle that. In terms of the excitement, uh, when we went to Berkeley City College, you know, the teacher would come to me and say, wow, these students are really engaged. They see, like they've never used a simulation before. Yeah. And I went there, they tried it in class, and she was just shocked the level of engagement. We right. went to uh, high school, Amador Valley High School, uh, the teacher came to me, pulled me to the side and said, you see that student right there? Mm-hmm. That student was very quiet. And yeah. now, because that student is the CEO, like he, you yeah. can see, you know, so the the teachers and the professors who they never used this before, they start seeing like, wow, this is really right. interesting. And then the, another interesting thing is the insights that I usually provide to them. And they yeah. see the clear connection between their course content and the game experience. Yeah. And then that helps out a lot, you know. Uh, the biggest assignment I would say that I had a, a conversation with um, a professor, uh, uh, maybe I shouldn't put the name out, but a professor at uh, University of Michigan in Santa yeah. Clara, uh, and once they saw the tool, they saw, oh, wow, this is simple and clean for right. the audience, 
and it connects well to the content that they cover. Uh, so there's been a lot of excitement once they see the product and how the product works. Right. And students get excited once they get that role of, oh, I'm the CEO. Yeah, oh, I have sure. a product and have that responsibility. <clears throat> uh, so once they play it, they, you know, it's... You know, they love the experience and there's so much to talk about uh, when they play. That, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, and it would be interesting uh, to do some polling. The students, you are mentioning City College, high school, maybe students that might not be as engaged and aiming for some of those elite schools initially. Yeah. They're, you know, they're not as extrinsically motivated. So yeah. all of a sudden, they say, well, this is actually fun. Learning's fun. Where the kids that have, have done well at playing the game of school, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. when that's disrupted and they're kind of going, i got to make mistakes to play this game, well, it's not comfortable. Yeah. But, but what I think is interesting, too, it made me think of what's great about uh, gameplay and game design, and it seems like you guys are figuring this out, is it actually is hitting this gold standard of learning, according to Lev Vygotsky, this Russian psychologist, a Soviet psychologist, actually. He called some, it was called the, um, the zone of proximal development. Yeah. And, and the whole idea of, uh, of the zone of proximal development was that great learning, you're always pushing the capacity of a learner or a player's uh, understanding. So in other words, if something's too hard, you get demoralized. If something's too easy, it's 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 you kind of be you're bored, mm -hmm. and uh, and often a lot of students can find themselves in one of those two places. It's too mm -hmm. boring, or it's like it's over their head. And games are never doing that. They're always pushing the player's zone of proximal development. So there's that sense of like it's challenging enough, yeah. but not so tough that I'm like giving up. And it's not so easy that it's boring. Mm -hmm. And and so games are always doing that. They don't give you information for level eight at level one. You're not ready for that yet. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that, again, great learning environments, whether it be simulations or even traditional, is always pushing that zone of proximal development yeah. so that there, she should be a little uncomfortable yeah. in a particular way, but not so uncomfortable that you're like, ah, you're giving up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then because it's always pushing one's capacities, inevitably there's going to be mistakes. Yeah. And, and I remember uh, uh, Sir Ken Robinson, I think he's given the most popular TED Talk of all time called Do Schools Kill Creativity? And he was saying that we do know that if you're not ready to make mistakes, you're not going to be creative. Now, it doesn't mean making mistakes is synonymous with creativity or it will be, but you can't be innovative or creative if you're not willing to make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And I think when we look, whether it be economics, business, climate change, whether it look at... Um, any other social issues. Uh, these are really challenging, complex issues where there's no clear answer. Yeah. And so where we need to be training students for that very world, because you're mentioning with that ambiguity and uncertainty, yeah, yeah. And, and how do you be willing to jump into that fray mm -hmm. uh, and not just be trying to stay on the sidelines because that's where it's comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, yeah, I think the implications um, are so much greater than... Uh, than just the market, mm -hmm. but but of course that's your expertise, and yeah, so, yeah. so so it makes sense that that's where you're uh, starting. Now, what would you say uh, anecdotally, or even if there's been studies, have you noticed as far as uh, so students are engaged, uh, perhaps to a greater degree? What would you say might be some of the learning outcomes? Have you noticed any differences? Like, are students coming away with a kind of embodied understanding that's a bit different from a traditional course? That is a, that's always the tough one. What is the learning? Yeah, outcome? right, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we struggle with this. We're still trying to figure this out. Uh, we don't have quantifiable data uh, mm -hmm. to demonstrate that. Um, what we try to, our whole angle is um, 
and our strategy in terms of building this is let's make it engaging first so we can increase right. focus and then let's go from engagement to effectiveness in terms of learning outcomes right uh, so what we can see we, we can observe is that the types of questions students ask you know uh, it's uh, by the time they get into round two and three and they're not even realize this you know they get the results and they throw a question out and they start quizzing question about this concept of marketing mix right. price product promotion and placement and through their emails and the way they um, uh, they ask a question, and these are the students that didn't perform well in the first few rounds and performing better, you can tell they have a really strong understanding of the concept and the framework mm. and how it should be applied. Right. You know, so I see that through observation. Right. You know, and what we want to do is we want to get to a point where we can have data and quantify that this learning is improving. Right. You know, uh, so the broader, I would say the broader platform what we're building is a platform where we have tools where you make decisions, which is simulations and quizzes. We have, you know, where we, you know, get feedback, which is content. Think of the textbook. Uh, think of our performance analysis. Yeah. Think of the community. And then we have a feedback where we leverage the data. And in that process, and I'll give you an example of how that looks like in, the, in a broader sense. Let's say you play in a simulation. And in a simulation, you don't do well and get this feedback. In this feedback, or you, you, you're, you're head of finance, you made a catastrophic mistake in terms of raising capital. Right. <laughs> you know, you don't realize that issuing a lot of capital, very cheap price, can have a significant impact in terms of your business in the long term. So you get this feedback about that, and it gives you certain content, like micro content, that you can extract from a textbook mm. to get a better, deeper understanding of the, what this means. Right. And then mm. you go back into the game. And if you don't still don't understand, you go to this quizzes and take some right. more quizzes, like diagnostic tools. To right. see how well you answer and make that gamified so you can actually keep engaging with that. Right. But if you still need help, you go to a community. And the yeah. community is everyone on this platform. And think of Quora. You know, you know, you pose a question, you get upvoted from the professor, Piazza. Piazza, I think, is another tool uh, on the economic side that does this. But in this world of learning where you engage in a simulation in the quiz and you're constantly getting this instant feedback, and then you're going and then those who do well and that data based on how you perform on the simulation and on the quizzes, we track it. Right. And then when we track that data, the idea is that we want to constantly see you improve and we'll gamify it so that you know, we're rewarded every time you're doing things right. right. And then as you improve, then we start using that data for all kinds of things. Right. Institutions can use that data to say, okay, we need more funding. Here's the data to show that students are actually learning. We can use the data for students. And say, this student has been doing a great job on assimilation, helping people out in the community and understand finance so well. J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman, you should consider yeah. this person for this particular right. role. Here's the data that we can demonstrate. And this is when data becomes powerful. So in terms of the learning outcomes, the broader sense, like the right. one that's really concrete and quantifiable, we think that's going to be a little bit long, longer term and getting the data. And as you said, we're going to fail and improve yeah. the quality of the model. You know, But the beauty of it, is the classes we target are large class sizes. So, Intro to Business is 685 students. Wow. Other schools we're targeting all large class sizes. So, the, le the level of data that we we're able to get, right. you know, we can generate. And then we can fine-tune fine it and build recommendation right. systems. You know, and then we can create this whole new type of textbook learning experience. Because at the core of it, what we looked at when I was doing analysis of why are students not using the textbook, what is this disconnect? It was because of time. Right. You know, so everyone talks about cost, but I think that people will pay, you know, if there's more value in there. So, you know, I think cost is a problem, you yeah. know, but really is about time. Yeah. 
students don't really have that much time. Right. 71% of students, they have extracurricular activity, they have part-time jobs. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of stress oh, with yeah, these young sure. students nowadays. And then for being now as a lecturer, I see what yeah. professors and lecturers go through. It's a lot of work building content. Yeah. You know, curating that content. They don't have time. And the textbook doesn't provide that tool, yeah. allows them to leverage more. So if you create a tool where it just works on its own engine, yeah. and everyone is so flexible that people can interact and engage with, then you create a situation where institutions can be able to adjust to what's yeah. the changing, you know, the changes that's happening, and students can be able to learn faster and better. And this is the big tool that you know I'm building. But in terms of back to your question, in terms of the outcomes, that's going to be more of a mid to long term, and I mean, yeah. might be two years out to build that quantifiable data sure. to demonstrate that. But at this point where we are, we want to make this engaging uh, and say, okay, this is engaging. Yeah. We get students excited about learning business. And then, yeah. you know, once they get excited, they want to learn more. So um, we build the simulation. We're going to build the content and we're going to leverage that data. We're going to build models to be able to understand and help people improve. And I think that when it comes to business, like I, I understand all these different disciplines to a certain level where I know where you can actually improve and, yeah. and learning. So it will be fascinating. Uh, but it it really that. is, yeah. And, and one of the things I can say, having incorporated some games into some of my classes, uh, so I don't have actual data, yeah. but I have anecdotes, yeah. you know, as far as what, what, what I could see before and after. So I'll give a, a t I incorporated this game called Peacemaker, which was a simulation of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Yeah. And I did it both most recently uh, with a 12th grade elective, International Relations. But I, but I first did it maybe about seven years ago or yeah. even before that in middle school. And that's where I really saw the power of games. So in seventh grade, we're looking at the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. This mm. is unbelievably complex. Yeah, there, yeah. There's adults that don't understand this conflict. Yeah. Um, never mind figuring out a roadmap to peace. Yeah. And so it felt a bit daunting to actually try to teach this content to mm -hmm. seventh grade. I wouldn't have tried unless I had the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the game, you're either playing as the Palestinian president or the Israeli prime minister under calm, tense, and violent circumstance mm -hmm. uh, stances. And, and depending upon what happens, maybe a car bomb, a missile strike, you have a range of choices yeah. uh, that you can make. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on the choice you make, then you'll, <clears throat> you'll immediately get feedback from the Palestinians Israelis, Arab League of Nations, UN, US, all the various players in there. And so clearly, That's pretty cool game. your ideology, mm. if you're pro-Israel or mm. pro-Palestinian, you'll lose the game if you're just thinking about that one side. You have mm. to think about what's the roadmap to peace. The built-in assumption is that a two-state solution yeah. within the game, that, that's what you're working for. But what was really interesting is you're having to think um, you're having to become a negotiator. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're having to think within these diplomatic ways, like what's going to be beneficial for all the constituents involved. That's very hard to actually do yeah. just in a traditional kind of textbook conversation way. And initially the students were saying, this is hard. You're like, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if it felt like it was easy, then, then clearly the simulation would fail. <laughs> you know, exactly. and, and, and I think that that's what was so interesting that I had uh, students uh, ultimately create what they felt was a roadmap to peace and how they were able to articulate in seventh grade mm. this roadmap was something they wouldn't have been able to do unless it was a simulation. So I felt that it was it was enabling them to actually sort of leapfrog mm. developmentally mm. Um, some of these abstract ideas yeah. and, and it helped concretize them and ground it in a way that they could understand earlier. Yeah. Um, whereas within the context of the international relations students, like they could have been capable of grappling with 
um, some of these concepts and ideas um, intellectually, but I think they wouldn't have understood the challenge of, all right, if you're really trying to create a two-state solution, what kind of decisions are going to enable that versus which ones aren't? And guess what? When you make a decision, you can quickly see what the response is, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. based upon the game plan, the simulation. Yeah. So anecdotally, what I saw was that this really did uh, help simulate the kind of environment if people were actually going into those realms, whether it be working for the UN or um, whatnot. That's a pretty but, cool regardless. I think that's a cool thing to learn. In, exactly. In and so being a citizen of the world, this is one of the most intractable conflicts yeah. on, on planet Earth. And so it's something everyone should be aware of. And guess what? You can see that there's similarities, whether it be uh, in Kashmir, Pakistan, India, you know, yeah. similar yeah. kinds of, you know, of, of concerns and issues. So I think it, it helps people understand yeah. both sides. And yeah. you have to be able to make compromise. Yeah. And, and generally, where do you figure that out yeah um you know unless it's in reality yeah. <laughs> in, in somewhere it's so your diplomatic thinking because that's how yeah. it is in the real world yeah yeah so, so so i think that it's it's quite powerful and, and we were talking uh before uh this guy uh william davidson schaefer who's a professor i think of learning science at university of wisconsin madison mm-hmm. And he wrote a book uh, 10 years ago or so called How I Think Computer Games Can Help Students Learn. And he's essentially uh, talking about what, what you're doing. How do you create these simulations uh, for the kinds of work that people are going to be entering, whether it be in business, whether it be in engineering, uh, journalism, uh, urban planning, so that people get to play a kind of almost a junior varsity version um, <laughs> yeah. and, and kind of kind of try out those professions. Yeah. Often a lot of people don't get a sense of what the profession is until they actually enter the field, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic. Yeah. So they might have all this theory, but then some people realize once they actually play the game yeah. of law, yeah. <laughs> you know, for example, like, oh, wow, I don't really like being a lawyer. <laughs> it may have been yeah. a good idea to actually see what lawyers do rather than just be in classes. Yeah. And it's not to, you know, it's not to try to criticize law in particular, but I think a lot of people have that experience yeah. once they actually play the game yeah. after school. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, wow, I like it or I don't like it. Yeah. But, but I think these simulations help um, kind of give people a flavor yeah. of, you know, what is going to be done. And so I think, I know he's been a big advocate uh, of this and feel that it's a kind of pedagogy for the 21st century. Yeah. So it's not just to get that flavor, but it's like if we want everybody um, to walk away with this liberal arts background so everyone has a wide range of understanding yeah. that's going to stick, yeah. not just something, okay, you graduated, but you've forgotten everything. Yeah. I think you're more <laughs> likely to actually walk away with a decent yeah. understanding yeah. Um, by being able to play the simulation of physics and chemistry and yeah. world history and and, and uh, understanding and the system and yeah. how the system works. You know, and the how, funny thing is, yeah. Uh, funny thing is, when you mentioned that, I, th- I thought about my own experience coming out of school. Uh, I was an undergrad uh, accounting, you know, so I learned accounting in a certain type of way. I think it was mainly um, in, you know, the managed industry, you know, the management industry or manufacturing industry. Right. You know, so in a textbook, that's all they teach you: manufacturing industry. But then I joined Price Waterhouse Coopers in the capital markets group in New York and I was in the financial services industry and in accounting there's this concept of historical cost principle you record an asset at whatever it costs for you and you don't change the value of the asset unless certain things happen in the asset where you have to devalue it you know usually generally this is more manufacturing space so I joined I joined PricewaterhouseCoopers and I only took like one finance course you know so initially it was accounting and I transitioned yeah. finance to through the marketplace 
And I remember I started seeing in the financial services, all the products was marked to market. You know, so it was market valuation. It was just a whole different concept. And another part of that was when you, I was on an audit side, and when you do an audit, one of the tasks you have to do is, okay, give us an insight on this market and this industry broader, beyond accounting. You know, and, and granted, I don't want you to go deep and dive, but I just want to give you, tell me about this business. Right. And I only took one, I think I took one strategy class that was heavily on accounting and didn't see the aspect of the system, how business worked. And I was struggling, you know, because I'm like, oh, wait, I, I didn't learn this yeah. in undergrad. Yeah. You know, I didn't learn this and I just have to learn this now. And I oh, think yeah. that's probably with most because I guess, oh, man, you know, so it was it, it was challenging, you know, and um and I had to figure out, okay, how do I learn this industry? How can I, you know, solve these problems or, you know, these tasks that I have to complete? You know, so I had to learn, you know, yeah. I had to learn very quickly um, um, on the job. And one of the things I see now, as you pointed out, is trying to understand how the system works. Like, it's not just accounting, uh, at least within the business context. It's all these other different factors. You know, you can't just make an accounting decision. Yeah, uh, so, right. so for now, like one of the things, let's say financial accounting. In that course, in that course, um, you learn two things. You learn how to prepare financial statements, and you learn how to analyze financial statements. And if you think of Bloom's taxonomy, the preparing financial statement, those are lower level thinking. Yeah. It's just understanding debits and credits and things like that. And usually in that class, you spend 80 to 90% of the time learning that. that and then you learn 20 to 10% as the higher order thinking. How do you analyze right. financials? How do you analyze these real companies? So one of the fact, and this is an example of, you know, one of the things that we're looking to build and right. to make financial accounting more exciting, more relevant so you understand the system is, can you shift that? Can you shift that where you build these diagnostic tools where you get this instant feedback and you learn the lower level skills quickly? Right. And then the whole conversation would be, let's analyze this company. Let's break down the, the this company business model, the SWOT analysis. Let's analyze and compare it to this company from a financial accounting lens or just from a whole business lens. Right. You know, because when we did that in class, students get excited about learning that. Yeah. And if you get them to understand the, the foundational, right. then it becomes uh, um, really exciting. So I think that system thinking and system learning and, you know, it's, I think schools and Berkeley Haas is looking to build that through critical thinking, communication, collaboration, um, uh, or building experiences where you can uh, expose. Right. Uh, so, I'm, you know, one of the things that I always talk to um, the, you know, the accounting chairman here is that, listen, I'm, I'm, this is the thing, I'm, we're going to build this for Berkeley Haas, and hopefully this could be something that other schools and textbooks starts using as a different way of um, teaching. Is not necessarily just as one discipline, but, right. you know, let's look at the, the system as a whole you know, more holistically and see and have people thinking that concept is when you get out there, it's not just going to be financial accounting. Oh, yeah. You know, so. Well, I think it's interesting. A couple of things. One, I think everyone that's gone to school has the experience of like, I didn't learn this in school, and mm -hmm. so you're having to learn on the fly, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, there's always that. And I think there needs to be more feedback loops between those experiences in the various industries and fields mm -hmm. and going, hey, this is what you should be learning in school yeah. and what are the ways to really prepare people for that? So I, everyone's had that experience. Yeah. Um, and then it's interesting too when you look at how now we live in a day and age uh, where we have to be able to project in some capacity what might be probabilities of what can happen. Mm -hmm. um, so everyone's trying to run simulations yeah. in 
whether it be politics, geopolitically, economics, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And so I think it's interesting at the cutting edge of any field, are people running simulations yeah. about what can happen? What's the probability of that likely to happen so yeah. that we can figure out where do we marshal resources? What kind of people do we need? And so I think it is not just preparing people for that world, but maybe the kind of skill sets about figuring out where, where are things going yeah. and how do we shape uh, that, that particular uh, course of, of the company or, or organization. Now, what <clears throat> sounds like some really exciting work, what, what is your vision for market games? Mm. What are you hoping in the next, say, five years uh, uh, where, uh, where, where market games will be? Uh, whew, that's a loaded and so many yeah, right. So I, I, I would say that right now our focus is on re re reimagining the textbook experience. We want to bring business text to life. We don't want to be static. The problem, one of the core problems with textbook is you read the content and you answer questions at the very end. Right. In the real world, it's problem first and then you look for the research. So kind of flip the whole textbook right. experience and say, okay, we want students to be more engaged and in five years, we want to be this new gold standards of what textbooks should be. Right. You know, and this is how students should learn. It's more active learning. They get instant feedback. And we have interesting data that we can give both to the student and the professor. So the professors can have information in terms of better understanding what students are learning, you know, what they're learning well mm -hmm. and what, you know, and right. how they're learning. Um, and I think that in five years, this is where we want to be, where we have these specific courses that we're, we're looking at. Right. You know, intro to business, financial accounting, finance. Finance game is going to happen. Right. <laughs> you know, but to be able to have a tool where, Students are on a, on a student side, they're learning faster and better. Right. Uh, on the professor side, you know, it allows them to do more with less. Right. Um, and on the program side, it allows students to get excited about learning the field of business. Right. You know, and they can go on all these different paths. So uh, I think in five years, um, this is where our vision market games to be the gold standard of okay, this That's is cool. what a business tech should look like. It should be dynamic, it should be engaging, um, and it should be more effective than how the textbook, of course, affordable for students. Yeah, right. You know, and what's interesting, I would say the one thing working with high school students that they feel they have not received mm -hmm. in any, any schooling, but they feel very anxious about, mm -hmm. is any kind of financial literacy. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things we clearly live. In, uh, in a day and age where uh, if you don't have a baseline financial sense, even a business sense, mm -hmm. whether or not you're going into it, you're going to be behind the eight ball in yeah. some sort of capacity. Yeah. And so, so I think that it's not just for people that want to go into those fields, but everyone kind of needs that baseline, yeah. where in the past that was never part of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Even in college, like I, I never took a business class because yeah. I didn't have to. Yeah. And so it seems that uh, what's wonderful about this game is it's not only training people that are going into the field, mm. but it can train everybody, just like the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, not everyone's going to be negotiating. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. but, but it doesn't therefore mean that having a deeper insight into those dynamics mm. aren't really important mm. for whatever station in life you might be mm. dealing with. Because guess what? Conflicts are mm. something we all find ourselves in. Yeah. And if yeah. we understand there's better ways of resolving them, uh, then it's going to help us mm. out personally. And so, so yeah, I, I could also really see um, you know, students or just anybody that, that might want to improve their own kind of basic literacy around business and finance also finding these uh, compelling too. No, you actually, you're, you're, you're spot on. And, 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 and let me give you some interesting facts yeah. about the intro to business course. Not just here at Berkeley, but everywhere in the, uh, in the U.S. 40% of the students are non-business majors. Hmm. Lawyers, people in the bio field, you know, um, right. uh, healthcare field. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, engineers, heavily engineers. Sure. You know, um, 
And these are mainly non-business students that just want to have some exposure. Right. When Google, you know, Google partnered with us this summer to onboard their liberal arts, main liberal arts undergrads are coming out oh, to introduce them to business concepts and framework. Right. So this tool, this intro to business, just the intro to business product, product is not really targeting business schools. Yeah. It's not just focused on, it's focused on anyone who wants to teach and learn business. Right. So all the liberal arts college in the U.S. that may not have a business course, they can use this tool right. uh, to be able to just to introduce their students um, to business concepts and framework. It has such a, a much yeah. broader, because it's really, right. the way it's designed is, it's, you know, and some of the things you mentioned earlier about asking the question, the curiosity, um, the purpose of the game when they play, we ask, tell me, why did you make that decision? Yeah. You know, and then we give right. the frameworks and the concepts, you know, to get them to start thinking. So uh, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. It does have a much broader appeal than necessarily those who are in business school. Right. That's great, which is what hopefully great learning is all about. All yeah. of a sudden, it kind of piques everyone's interest, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, exciting. Now, 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 for people that might just be hearing about market games for the first time mm -hmm. via this conversation, if they're interested mm -hmm. in learning more, mm -hmm. of trying to get the game, wh where can people go to to find out about the game? Ah, good, uh, good question. So right now, we, we mainly partner with um, uh, teachers, professors, and programs. Um, uh, if they want to reach out, uh, they can reach out at info at marketgames.io. So I-N-F-O at marketgames.io. Uh, shoot us an email. Uh, we're pretty responsive. And then we can start the dialogue. Great. Excellent. Any, any final thoughts, recommendations, <laughs> insights? Um, no, um, last final thought is, you know, I, you know, as an entrepreneur, this has been like a, a fascinating experience. You right. know, my background hasn't been in education. <laughs> my background hasn't been in tech, but I've learned so much. And the more I learn, the more I engage with people like you that know so much of insight, you essentially validate this, this thing that I've been building. Right. And the core part of me building this is just, okay, here's what the market looks like. This is how the market operates. And just on that premise, you know, I've been building this, and based on that premise, it allowed it, it connects to everything that's happening that's going on in education. It kept me right. focused, so um, I'm excited. I'm excited what's to come, um, um, and I don't know. I can't think of anything else to say at this time. But I thank you, thank you for this time. Yeah, and no, I really appreciate you taking the time as well. It's been. Uh, it's been inspirational because mm -hmm. I think uh, anytime one can galvanize uh, a huge population of learners mm -hmm. to be engaged in something that might otherwise be perceived as bland or dry, mm -hmm. if they're not already interested, yeah. is, is something we should all be paying attention to. Yeah. Not, not just as teachers, but anyone, because, mm -hmm. hey, there's a lot of interesting uh, problems and opportunities out there. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, these kinds of simulated games uh, can, can help kind of chart the course for coming up with interesting solutions and innovations. So. And you know, there was business that actually, like high school, I pretty much coasted. I, you know, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I played basketball in high school. I coasted and then it was, it was actually a business course. It was actually two business courses, economics and business. I took probably a, not right after high school because I had no idea what I wanted right. to do. Uh, I went and sat in a community college class. I took these courses, and these dry textbook I was just so consumed. I, and the reason being is that it was all these foundational skills that I learned in high school, but I couldn't see the relevance. Right. But then I it started. I started seeing uh, on the macroeconomic, the microeconomic, the business side, yeah. all these things that were connecting, and I was like, "Wow, this is exciting!" So ever since then, you know, I read, I read so much business articles. I see yeah. all these different business models. Like I go and download S ones, 
and financials and break down <laughs> and I and I build up financial models and just yeah. analyzing that. I, you know, I love this stuff. So when I build these tools, I say, okay, let's make this exciting. What kind of scenarios can we create? You know, right. to to be able to push yeah. these kinds of behavior and it's, and it becomes exciting. And when you see yeah. the students come, like usually students will come to yeah. me after they play. This is with Google. This is with um, Berkeley. Every semester, students will come to me and say, "Wow, you did you build this?" Yeah. You know, and I'm like. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was it yeah. was my idea, but it's also the engagement and right. from, so um, so I want to make learning business really exciting. I think it can be. It is definitely yeah. Exciting. And, and I, I'll say the best compliment I can give you is I'm definitely not someone to be able to be downloading financials <laughs> that way. But uh, it sounds like it's, it sounds like just an exercise in boredom. However, the way you describe the game, yeah, yeah. I'm interested in the game. Yeah, thanks, and yeah. so uh, I can imagine uh, there's a lot of other people in that scenario too. So. Uh, yeah, I wish you the best of luck. Godspeed. Thanks. And, thank you. Uh, and, and definitely to be continued. <laughs> to be continued. All right. <laughs>